notes. We're going to just linger a little bit longer and talk about that. And we'll send those changes out to you in advance so you'll have a chance to look at them um, ahead of time. And so then we'll move forward accordingly. Um, so business side of stuff, right? Got to do the got to do the business sometimes, right? Um, so uh, as we get into today's message, uh, I, I have to say that um, it's the wackiest title that I've ever used on a sermon. Like I've preached a lot of sermons, I think this is the weirdest sermon title, and uh, and I only bring it up because I, it's like true confessions. I need to confess that to you, if, and so if you don't like it, please just forget about it after today. Every 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 bad sermon I've ever preached, I've always been consoled with the opportunity that uh, uh, the idea that uh, you're probably going to forget about it after that day anyway, and so then I'm on to next week. So uh, yeah, so I, I don't I don't beat myself up too bad about bad sermons. There's going to be plenty of them. It's it's the only way that you can tell uh, between good sermons and bad sermons. You got to have some bad ones so you can have some good ones. So if you don't like this one, next week is going to be the best sermon I have ever preached. Just so you know. Uh, but the title of the, the message today is, is uh, the church that I see has bet the farm faith. Bet the farm faith. Let me break that down for you. Those of us, you know, those of you that are so sanctified that you don't know anything about gambling whatsoever, um, you only place a, a hefty bet when you, when you know you got, when you know you can't lose, right? You, you, you place the biggest bet when you know that it's impossible for you to lose. Now, for those of you that are so sanctified that you didn't know that, well, thank you for bearing with us a little bit. But, uh, but anyway, uh, when, we, when it comes to uh, a church and characterizing what our faith needs to be like, our faith needs to be faith that we would be willing to bet the farm for. We would be willing to put our trust wholly and completely in what God said and what we are carrying out in his name because this is what he's called us to do. And we, we fear not man, nor do we fear self. Uh, we, we say, God, what have you called us to do? And that's what we're going to do. And, and we're going to believe our way all the way until we see Jesus face to face. That's bet the farm kind of faith. Uh, we want to get into the word today, and, and you have it in your notes. It's going to be on the screen. Would you stand with me this morning? And uh, we're going to read the word together uh, because it, it, it's kind of the, the method is the, the message uh, today. And, uh, or I should say the medium is the message because we're going to talk about having the word in your mouth. So let's put the word in our mouth right now. Hebrews chapter 11, verse 1, everybody together. Now faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. Hebrews eleven six. But without faith, it is impossible to please him. For he who comes to God must believe that he is and that he is a rewarder of those who diligently seek him. Jude 3, dear friends, although I was very eager to write to you about the salvation we share, I felt I had to write and urge you to contend for the faith that was once for all entrusted to the saints. Father, I pray that an understanding of faith would be our portion today. And that, Lord, we wouldn't just gather information because information is taught but faith is caught. And we ask you today that we would catch faith as we hear the word of the Lord, that the Holy Spirit would take it from our ears to our heart and that it would change us from the inside out today in Jesus' name, amen. God bless you, you can be seated. 
I'm going to teach you a little bit before I preach through the outline this morning because there are some things that are not apparent to the text, but I want to break it down a little bit for you. In Hebrews chapter 11, verse 1, the very first verse that we read, now faith is the substance. Everybody say substance. Faith is the substance of things hoped for. Now, when we think in terms of that word substance, there's a word picture that goes along with that that, uh, that we know in, in our common vernacular would be called a title deed. Anybody here own a car? I mean, the bank doesn't own it, but you own it. Yeah, good, good. Praise God, proudly, you know. And, uh, and so you have somewhere in your files, you have a title uh, with that, uh, the name of that vehicle on it, and it's got the VIN number and the color and, you know, how many doors and all that kind of stuff and the weight and all that. And then down on the bottom, it'll, it'll have, it's, your name is on there, right? This, this, this vehicle registered is registered in this name. You are the owner of that vehicle. Now, you may not have the vehicle in your yard. It could be at your neighbor's house, could be at your uncle's house, could be at your cousin's house. It might be at the shop like my vehicle is right now. But, but the, the title... I, I own. So I could go into my files and I could pull it up. And based on looking at that title, if you were to go through my files, you could see every vehicle that we own because you could see the title deed to the, to the vehicle, even if it was not sitting out there. And so what, what uh, the writer of Hebrews is telling us is that when you have faith, it's the title deed that something that you can't see does exist. You have the deed in your hand. You own it. It belongs to you. You possess it. It's on the inside of you. You have it. You, you know that you and that thing that, you, that is unseen are connected. None of you in here, or I don't think any of you, have ever seen Jesus face to face. There are those on the planet that have. I've met a few people that have seen Jesus. And, and so their, their faith is strengthened by that encounter. But the word tells us that that's not going to be the common thing that happens to everybody. But, it's, but, but though we don't see him, we are still filled with an inexpressible joy. Full of glory, right? The joy of knowing that he exists is ours because we have the title deed of faith. We, we, we possess it, we, we know it, we own it. And so what, uh, what the writer of, uh, of Jude tells us, or let me, I skipped one, verse six, but without that faith, without that title deed of faith, it's impossible to please him, that is please God. Um, let, me, let me just talk to you for a second um, and, and help break this down for you. The faith provides the why. The faith provides the why for the what. So if we're working and we're doing good deeds for people, um, say we're feeding the hungry, wonderful, uh, important thing to do. Say we're looking after orphans, important thing to do. Say we're looking after widows, important thing to do. The Bible tells us to do those things, but we don't have faith in Jesus. Then that, that practice of those works is not pleasing to God. Because we did not. Now, was it important to the people? Absolutely it was. We did good works, that was good. But the word says that faith, without faith, it's impossible to please God. Your works don't get it done. And here's why. Your works don't really give you the why. The works just take care of the what. So when I'm feeding somebody and somebody says, well, why are you doing this? It's not because you're hungry. It's because he is. He's the why. It's because Jesus well, why would you come down and sacrifice? Why would you come down and work? Because of Jesus. 
Jesus doesn't want just somebody to get another meal. He wants them to know him. He's not willing that any should perish, but that all would come to, a, 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 to repentance and to the saving knowledge of Christ. And so the, Jesus always provides the why. The faith provides the why. When we forget why we're doing something, it's because we've lost sight of our faith. And without faith, it's impossible to please him. And notice what he says here. He says, for he who comes to God must believe that he is. Say that, he is. And that he is a rewarder of those who diligently seek him. Many times people forget what the object of faith is. The object of their faith is always Jesus himself. Jesus is the object of our faith. If we never had another prayer answered, we still believe that he is, and he's a rewarder of those that diligently seek him. I could be rewarded now. I could be rewarded in heaven, but he is my rewarder. Right? Any work that I do, uh, the, the, this is a preacher's statement, okay, but understand, so understand the context. The sheep are the work and not the wage. You know, a lot of times people do think, well, if I do this for you, we'll do this, will you do this back for me? Can I get, you know, can I, and, and in a contractual environment, that's okay. We're in agreement. If I do this work, then you pay me to do this work. But, uh, but when we do, when we work is unto the Lord, the work is just the work. It's not the wage. Jesus is a rewarder. He's the one that we get our, he's the one that we get our back scratched from. He's the one that we get our head pats from. He's the one that does. When, I'm not looking for you to reward me. And the beautiful thing about you not having to reward me is I won't get disappointed when you don't. If I don't live by the praises of men, I will not die by their criticisms. You know, what we've got to realize is that we've looked in the wrong place to be for our reward, right? We get disappointed. Well, well, I thought they were going to, well, don't think that way. Your expectation is a resentment waiting to happen. And so what we've got to do is we've got to recognize that faith, if, we, if we're operating in faith, that my focus is constantly on Jesus and not on what people do. Only on what he does. And he's a rewarder of those that diligently seek him. So I'm going to talk to you today about contending for the faith, but I want you to understand you can't do it in this room. In other words, what I'm telling you about happens in the secret place. Right? The practice of it. The development of it. And this is, this is so you need to understand that. I'm not saying, don't come to church no more. Because your faith won't develop. No, I'm saying it develops in the dark room. It develops when nobody's looking. It develops. It, it, we see it out in the open, but it, it's not developed out in the open. It's developed in the secret place, right? It's developed in intimacy. And, and so, uh, so what I'm, I'm declaring to you today means that you've got to learn to contend for the, for the secret place. You've got to contend in the privacy of your own home, in the privacy of your own heart. So I'm, I'm pacing here, so I got, I got to get going. Jude 3, dear friends, although notice, notice that Jude has a reason for why he's doing it. He says, he says, I began to pray about what to write. Our tribe writers uh, meeting is today, and one of the first things that we have on, on uh, how to write a devotional is pray. Pray intensely about what the Lord wants you to say. Pray. And so our, our meeting today after church, we're going to be talking about that. Jude was doing the same thing. He got before the Lord. And he said, Lord, what am I going to say to these people? I know that there's something that you want me to say. I want to say what you want me to say. What should I write? And it seems like Jude had two things that came to his mind. 
The first one had to do with the, the, the common salvation that is shared by every believer. The fact that when you said yes to Jesus that you passed from darkness to light. The, the fact that you are now a child of God and that uh, the Holy Spirit bears witness with your spirit that you're a child of God. The aspects of salvation that might have involved heaven, that might have involved what, what our, our hope is as a believer. And so Jude could have broke all that down for him and celebrated about what heaven was going to be like. But that's not what he did. He stopped and he said, I, was, I, I, I fully intended to write about our salvation that we share, but instead... I felt like I should write to you to contend for the faith that was once delivered to the saints. Now, uh, it's easy for us to kind of like lump that together. Well, isn't salvation what was delivered? Well, it's salvation and then some, because Jesus didn't preach the gospel of salvation. He preached the gospel of the kingdom. So the kingdom has a lot more to do with, uh, with life than just salvation. The, the kingdom has its own economy. The kingdom has its own, uh, uh, you know, its own system of how it works. Uh, salvation is just your heart with God, getting your life right with God so that you can see him someday. Uh, but the kingdom has a whole lot to do with how we operate in the here and now. And so uh, Jude says, I felt I had to write to and urge you to contend for the faith, and, and here's why. There were people that had entered into the church, and he, he writes of divisive men in the church who have uh, crept in among you, who feed only themselves, who are clouds without rain blown along by the wind. Think about this. Autumn trees, this is an interesting metaphor. Autumn trees without fruit and uprooted, twice dead. In other words, they were supposed to have fruit on them, and they didn't, and they're uprooted, and, and so they have no access to the nutrients that would cause them to bear fruit. And, and so wild waves of the sea foaming up their shame, wandering stars for whom blackest darkness has been reserved. They are grumblers and fault finders who follow their own evil desires. They follow mere natural instincts and do not have the spirit. You see, Jude understood that we live in a, a mixture in our land, that not everybody takes the Bible and says, I'm going to do what the Bible says, and I'm going to live by the Bible, and the Bible is, is going to determine my steps, and it's going to determine my attitudes, and it's going to determine how I treat, uh, treat people around me. All my relationships are going to be governed by the Word of God. He, he says that's not, that's not the reality of the, the world that believers live in. But he was concerned because he said there were some that had crept into the church. And so Jude says, I want you to contend for the faith that was once delivered to the saints. I often wonder, often wonder when I think of persecuted nations, what, what do they have that we don't have? What is in them that would cause them to be able to say, I will give my life for what I believe? When many times in America, we, we can't get people to come to church, provide the most comforting environments, provide everything to make sure all the needs are met, and then people would stay home or would, people would rather be on the boat or people would rather do whatever, right? Is the faith of the American church the same faith that was once delivered to the saints or have we allowed some level of compromise to begin to, sh to show up in our own souls to where we've become lukewarm? Because let me tell you, there are many people who have suffered persecution and their faith holds them in the moment of pressure. 
they, they find themselves in that place where they say, you know what, lop the head off if you need to. I'm not gonna change my stance. All they have to do is deny Jesus and they walk out the door. They choose to think about it. Is what we have today worth dying for? Is what you possess in your faith in Christ worth dying for, worth giving your life for? You know, I had to come to terms with that a number of years ago. Heather had just been born 25 years ago. It was the first time I had gone into a Muslim nation, into an area of the world where I, I could have been demanded uh, my life for my faith. And I remember sitting down in front of a VHS camera and having a conversation uh, that for my, my daughter that at the time was maybe about eight months old. And, uh, and, and you know, I didn't know. And, I, and it's the first time I ever took out life insurance. True story. Because what am I going to say if I go over to a persecuted nation, if I go to Egypt and, uh, and I, I, you know, get caught for preaching the gospel and, and what's going to happen? You, you think about things differently when you, when you realize that there are little ones there and you have to contend for the faith. This has real world possibilities, right? Real world things that we have to think about. Here's what we're going we're gonna to break down what this looks like. Real faith is based on unseen evidence, not on feelings. It's based on unseen evidence, not on feelings. Your faith today is not based on how you feel about the songs that we sung. Your faith today is not based on whether or not you're, uh, you're dry uh, in your walk with God or whether or not things are, uh, are flourishing in your walk with God. Your faith is based on the empty tomb. Your faith is based on the resurrection of the Lord Jesus Christ. It's not empty faith. It's not faith that's subject to, you know, well, I believe it one day, the next day I don't believe it. The, you, our faith, biblical faith, is based on the empty tomb. It's based on the cross and the blood shed on the cross and the empty tomb. It's not based on whether or not you think Jonah actually did spend those, those three nights in the belly of the whale or whether it was actually uh, an actual six days of creation or not. Don't get bent out of shape about those kind of things. None of those things will get you born again. What gets you born again is your faith in the empty tomb. Confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord. Believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, and you shall be saved. That's what your faith is in, right? And so our faith has to be always based on unseen evidence and not on feelings. Uh, real faith seeks to please God, not others, and not self. Please God, not others, and not self. If, if you're not willing to be unpopular in your stance for Jesus from time to time, I'm not saying be that person that always rubs everybody the wrong way. I, I think our witness needs to be winsome. It needs to be attractive. It needs to be uh, when, when people get around. See, Jesus was, uh, was considered to be the friend of sinners, wasn't he? When, when Jesus came around, he, he was not uncomfortable. Get, get this. Jesus Christ was not uncomfortable with everybody else's sin. Think about that. Now, I, I get around people sometimes, I, I get uncomfortable. But that's less to do with them and more to do with me. You know, and, and Jesus had the ability to, you know, the, the word says all men uh, spoke favorably of him. Right? Of course, except the Pharisees. He was raining on their parade. 
But, but the reality of, of the, the life of Jesus is that we've got to, you know, we've got to uh, uh, seek to please God, not others. I love this text from, uh, uh, about Moses. It says uh, of Moses, he regarded disgrace for the sake of Christ as of greater value than the treasures of Egypt because he was looking ahead to his reward. By faith he left Egypt, not fearing the king's anger. He persevered because he saw him who is invisible. <clears throat> Moses, you know, had spent those 40 years as Pharaoh's son, uh, murders an Egyptian, gets found out, spends 40 years on the backside of the desert. You know, he started out as somebody, had to learn to be nobody. You become of, 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 you know, no, no accord, nobody, you know, 40 years in the backside of the desert. He stutters, and yet God raises him up, you know, the burning bush, and, and then he becomes this deliverer the next 40 years of his life. And how did that happen? How do you live 120 years and become a leader of over a million, probably two million Jews throughout this whole process? How do you do that? Well, he had a regular practice of going to the tent of meeting. He had a regular practice of seeing him who is invisible. And when you see him who is invisible, you could care less about gold and silver and precious stones. You don't care about those things no more, no more, no more, because you have seen what real value is. You have seen the glory of God and the glory of man and the glory of nations and the glory of what this world offers matters not to you any longer. He saw him who was invisible, and he said, I would rather suffer with the slaves and be with the ones that see him who is invisible than hang out with the people who got all the cash. You and I may have to make some unpopular decisions somewhere along the way. And can I tell you, it's not judgment against them. Let me tell you what's happened. Sometimes there were people, that there wasn't anything necessarily wrong with the people, but there was something in me that was, that was desiring something more from them, right? They weren't the problem. They just happened to be the idol that my heart wanted to hang on to at the moment. And so the Holy Spirit says, you need to fast that relationship for a while. And you know what I'm talking about? Not, and, and you want to justify, you want to reason in your mind, well, what's wrong with them? Jesus was a friend of sinners. Why can't I hang out with them? You know, but the Holy Spirit knows you better than you know you. And so he's saying, you know what? They're, they're causing some kind of thinking, some kind of thought process that's not healthy for you. You need to lay that down right? Sometimes he'll deal with me about my discretionary time. All of us have our time that we have to put in and in, in work. We need to spend our time with our family, but sometimes he'll talk to us about our discretionary time. And he'll, he'll say, you know what? You, you, need to, you need to let go of that and spend this time with me. Well, you know, sounds kind of legalistic. It could be, unless the Holy Spirit's talking to you. What is good for your walk is not a prescription for my walk. What is good for my walk is not a prescription for your walk. Each of us has to come to God for our own walk, right? Each of us comes to God for the word. We get the word. I'm not, I'm not arguing about whether or not, you know, something's sin. There are things, let me put it this way to you. There are things that you could not find in the Bible to point out that that is sin, but I know it's sin for me. 
I'll use that word, sin. If I, if I, do, if I go down that road for Ken Kramer, that's sin. I, I, I didn't talk about any of this in the 8 o'clock service. You guys are getting, uh, I, I guess it's because the Lord wants you to know that. You know, don't, don't judge yourself by what somebody else is doing. You could be racing to a false finish line. You could be looking in the wrong spot. You know, Moses was able to make his determination of what he was going to do because he saw him who was invisible. I love that. I love that. And so, uh, you know, so faith seeks to please God, not others, and not self. Real faith moves us to action and produces results at the appointed time. Can I tell you that, that in the amount of time that it takes you to pray a prayer, that you believe God's going to do something, that you, you pray that prayer in that moment. You speak to that mountain and you say, be removed. Then you have the opportunity to exercise your faith until it comes to pass. Until it comes to pass. How strong would your faith be if at the moment you prayed your prayer, 10 seconds later, God shows up like a heavenly bellboy. Ding, 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 ding. Here you go. Your faith couldn't get you up out of the chair. Your faith would be so worthless. It would be so wimpy. It would be like, oh, man, you think about it, you know. It would, be, it would just be flabby faith. It wouldn't have any muscle tone to it. It couldn't move mountains. It couldn't, it couldn't cause you to believe God for something that was impossible that really took some time to pray in. Why? Because, you know, you just, well, all I do, I just pray and God answers. I pray and God answers. I pray and God answers. I pray and God answers. You don't want that kind of faith. You want the faith that's purified. You want the faith that's strengthened. You want the faith that you, that you pressed in and you watched God come through. Right? First uh, Peter 1.6, In this you greatly rejoice, though now for a little while you may have had to suffer grief in all kinds of trials. You know, pain is the, is the precursor for promotion. If you don't go through some pain, you're not likely to get promoted. It's the precursor. It's, it's going to happen first. I have good friends that uh, pastored, uh, still pastor for a number of years up in New Jersey in the first church that they, they planted. He personally, personally led uh, probably about 55 people to the Lord in the first year. And the church was about 30. And so these 55 new, brand new, born again people uh, you know, started flocking to the church, but the, the, the church that was 30, they, they thought they, they ran things, and, and so they decided to uh, call a vote, and they voted the pastor out after 55. He personally led 55 people to the Lord. And uh, he and his wife were, and this is a small town, you know, he and his wife, they're in the kitchen, and uh, she, she tells a story, and she says, I was over in the corner, puddled up, weeping about we just lost our job, and he was dancing around in the living room shouting, saying, thank you, Jesus. I was, I was appointed to suffer just like the apostles. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. And he was celebrating, dancing in the living room. He saw him who was invisible. He recognized pain as a precursor to promotion. 
right? It's what happens. These have come so that your faith of greater worth than gold, which perishes, even though refined by fire, may be proved genuine and may result in praise, uh, glory, and honor when Jesus Christ is revealed. Though you have not seen him, you love him. And even though you do not see him now, you believe in him and are filled with an inexpressible and glorious joy. Church, I'm talking to you today about contending for the faith. Contending for the faith of the living God. Contending for the faith and being a person that says, I am willing to lay it down for this. I'm willing to, a, a lot of people build, uh, you know, uh, want to die on hills that don't really matter. They make, they make things about stuff that doesn't really matter at all. They want to make a big deal over something. Let me tell you, the thing you want to make a big deal over, you need to contend for the faith. He is the one that is a rewarder of those that diligently seek him. He is. He is the object of your faith. He is the author and the finisher of your faith. He is the one who will reward you on that day. Don't lose sight of him because if you lose sight of him, you forget why you're doing what you're doing in the first place. We've got to be people that never lose sight. That's why I say we need to be people who will, who will be those who will bet the farm. When it comes time to pray, it, we're going to bet the farm that Jesus is going to come through. When it comes time for healing, we're going to bet the farm on that. When it comes time to believe God for revival in Gloucester County, we're going to bet the farm on that. You know what I'm talking about? We will put our whole selves into that. We will pursue God with all that is in us because his word will never, ever, ever fail. Jesus said, heaven and earth will pass away, but my word will never pass away. You don't get any more solid than that. And we need to be those people that demonstrate that kind of faith in the midst of fear, in the midst of conflict, in the midst of trials and challenges when people look at us and say, well, what are you going to do? Well, I'm glad you asked. I'm going to believe God. I'm going to believe that God's good even though circumstances tell me he's not. I'm going to believe God comes through and uh, on, on behalf of those that call on his name. They that look to him are radiant and their faces are never covered with shame. And so when I look to God and I begin to pray, I, I put all of my effort, all of my energy, everything that I am, everything that I have over onto that. See, when you begin to do that, you have no problem exchanging your life for your testimony. Because anything Ken Kramer got, Jesus Christ gave it to him. Anything I got myself, I don't really want it. I found out I don't really want it anyway. If I, if I built anything up myself, well, guess what? It's going to fall apart tomorrow. But if Jesus gave it to me and I got it by faith, then I know that if, if the, the trouble comes and the circumstances come, he's just purifying me. He's just purifying me. Sorry about you all in the front row. It's a splash zone today. What do you do? Real faith requires a passionate, believing heart and a speaking mouth. Faith always comes from God. It is a gift. It is also a fruit of the Holy Spirit. 
And so the, the two of those come together in the word, and we've got to be those people that are full of the word and full of the spirit, full of the word and full of the spirit. One of the things that I, I, I try to do every year because it's easy for us, uh, it's easy for me to settle back and just get real comfortable, is that I try to change up my own personal disciplines periodically. Sometimes it's buy a new Bible. Sometimes it's uh, do a, a different Bible study method, sometimes whatever, whatever. Uh, I was uh, a few weeks. Uh, Weeks ago, I was talking to Pastor Daniel, and he told me that he's doing a, he's doing a read the Bible through in 90 days uh, plan. I was like, say what? What's that? You know, I thought I was doing good, read the Bible through in a year. You know, he's got this read the Bible through a night. He's going to read it four times to my one. I said, hmm. Can I tell you just the, just the thought? Hang around people that challenge your walk. Hang around people that, that when you look at that and you say, oh, man, I can't. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. And I began to, that stirred me up, you know. Be a person that's, that's uh, full of the word on the inside and then speaking out your mouth. Some, uh, a couple of years back, I, I began to uh, write down some confessions over my life that were based on scripture. That I would just put it, I would put that word in my mouth and I'd begin to speak that word about my life in, in, as it related to temptation, as it related to my future, as it related to my victory. You know the word says faith is the victory, that overcomes the world. You're trying to overcome the world with your bare hands, but faith is the victory that overcomes the world. God handed it to you. It's a gift. It's a gift. He gives it to you, and he says, here's how you overcome the world, your faith. And we need to contend for that kind of faith. This morning as we close, I invite you to stand right now. How do we, how do we retain our Bet the Farm faith in a world full of darkness and hypocrisy? I want to challenge you this morning as we're uh, moving into our prayer time. Um, you know, uh, somewhere along the line, I think that one of these will speak to you. And I'm going to encourage you to step out from where you're at and come to the altar this morning. Um, you might need healing. We're going we're gonna to believe with you this morning. You might need a new job. We'll believe with you for this morning. I, I, I've seen the Lord turn so many things around at this altar. Right here, this altar. Right here. Use all the faculties of your spirit, man, to see strong. First of all, see with your spiritual eyes. Be a person that watches and prays. Don't just keep your eyes closed. All this is, I mean, uh, is this metaphorical? Don't just pray with your eyes closed, but pray and then keep your eyes open. Watch God. Do what God wants to do. Ask God to show you what he's doing. Be a seer. The Old Testament prophets were seers. The word tells us in the New Testament that to eagerly desire the best gifts, especially the gift of prophecy, seeing what God is doing, seeing what God is saying. And so ask God to help you see with your spiritual eyes. Uh, secondly, hear with your spiritual ears. Faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. Keep that word of God constantly flowing. Something's going to bubble up on the inside. He's going to show you something. The Lord showed me something very clearly out of, uh, out of the book of Exodus this uh, two weeks ago, a little over a week ago. And, uh, and as I was reading, I was like, it had so much application for what I do here as a pastor, and it had to do with Moses' trumpets. Like, but God spoke to me about what I needed to do in my calendar as it related to Moses' trumpets. How crazy is that? But I know it like I know my name. It's real to me. It doesn't have to have any application for you. But it does have application for leaders. And so I got that, and I was like, wow. 
Lord, the Lord is faithful. Hear with your spiritual ears and then pray in the Holy Spirit. This is what Jude said. He said, but you, dear friends, build yourselves up in your most holy faith and pray in the Holy Spirit. He said, you've got people in your ranks that are clouds without rain. You look across, you look at them and, and they look like they got the goods, but there's nothing inside. You got people who are saying, I know the way, but they don't know the way. Because when they talk to you, the basis for their direction is not faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. Now, I'm not saying you gotta call people out, but I'm saying what you've gotta do with the word is you gotta say, okay, I'm gonna contend for the faith right now. I'm gonna pray in the Holy Spirit. I'm gonna keep myself in the love of God. I'm gonna pray in the Spirit. I'm gonna press in. Contending for the faith for you might be making sure that you don't, you know, no Bible, no breakfast. You do what you have to do to get into the secret place. Contend for the faith there. Your intimacy with God is where faith will begin to stir up on the inside. If you don't have intimacy with God, you're gonna, you're gonna be relying on everybody else's faith. Oh, I'm going down again. Pray for me, pray for me, pray for me. And sometimes I wanna just say, well, pray for yourself. I mean, so, you know, I don't get that way. I'm not, I'm not like cocky like that as a senior pastor, you know. Uh, I, I'm, I'm, I'm compassionate for people, but sometimes they don't need cushy compassion. They need a kick of compassion, right? You know what I'm talking about? Because when they're 35 years old, they can't feed themselves the word, hello. It's okay if you're an infant. But sooner or later, you got to put the spoon in your hand. You got to put the fork in your hand. You got to pick it up. Feed yourself. And then I can treat you like a peer. Okay, this is what uh, this is what the Lord shows me when I. This is how I go about what I do. Let's do that together. I'm not just going to pray for you. How about I pray with you? Tell me what word you're praying over your life right now. Tell me how I can agree with you in prayer. What do you think that God is doing in the midst of this circumstance? Let's do that, right? And then they start to get. Oh, okay, okay, okay. Hallelujah. Altars are open right now. Holy Spirit, this morning we're contending for the faith, God. Some of you, it's been a long time since you've heard the voice of the Lord. Step out from where you're at. Ask Him to dig your ears out this morning. Dig my ears out, Jesus. I want to hear your voice. Some of you haven't seen the activity of God in your life. You pray and pray and pray, but you haven't seen a breakthrough. Come on. Watch and pray. It's time to start watching, watch and pray, watch and pray, watch and pray. Contend for the faith this morning, once delivered to the saints. This is how it's done. This is how it's done. Chinese church may not have cushy seats, but they have prayer. This is how you contend for the faith right here. Chinese church may not have an air-conditioned room, but they got the Holy Ghost. They got the Word of God. Come on, contend for the faith right now. Lord, we call on your name this morning, God. Lord, we call on your name. That faith once delivered to the saints, oh God, we call on your name. We approach the throne of grace with confidence today. And we find help in time of need, Father. Thank you, Father, for your word. Thank you, Lord God, that encourages us right now in Jesus' name. Come on, call on the Lord. Cry out to God right now. Cry out to God. Let God do that work on the inside. Let him show you. Let him speak to you. Let him talk to you right now. Keep yourself in the love of God right now. 
Some of you don't don't let your foot slip because you you got your eyes focused in the wrong place. Holy Spirit wants to bring you back and bring your focus right now. He is the rewarder of those that diligently seek him. Diligence means I put the whole of my weight into it. I put all of my weight into this. I bet the farm on, on, on the word of God. I bet the farm on the ability to hear from God. Jesus said, my sheep hear my voice and the voice of another. They will not follow. I believe in the word of God. I say like the missionary who said, I don't have all, all the faith in the world and, and my ability. Uh, he said, I don't have much faith in my ability to hear from God, but I have all the faith in the world in his ability to speak to me. God can get his word across to us. Oh, welcome you, Holy Spirit of God. We need you right now, Lord. We need you right now, Lord. We need you right now, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Welcome you, Lord. Welcome you, Lord. Praise you, Lord. Somebody needs healing this morning. Just slip up your hand. I'm going to anoint you. You need healing. You need healing. Can I get some uh, prayer folks around here? I'm going to do the anointing. I need some prayer people. Go ahead. Feel free. Feel free. I anoint you in the name of Jesus right now. I anoint you. Hallelujah. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. Any any hand that you see up, just put a hand on their shoulder. Oh, thank you, Lord, for your touch, Lord, continuing to do the work in Larry's life. Thank you that he's here today. Glory to God. That's a miracle. We thank you for that already, Lord. We praise you, Lord God. You are the healing God. Come on. Come on. Contend for that faith. Healing belongs to us, children of God. Thank you, Lord, for your touch right now in Jesus' name. Oh, I anoint my brother in the name of Jesus right now. Lord, bring healing. Release your healing anointing right now. Come on, church. Cry out to the Lord. Cry out to the Lord. Anybody needing healing? Oh, Jesus, right now. I anoint you in the name of the Lord. Healing your portion right now in Jesus' name. Be healed in Jesus' name. Be healed in Jesus' name. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord, for your healing, oh God. Thank you, Lord. I release that healing anointing right now all over this altar today. Lord, a healing anointing all over this place right now in Jesus' name. Thank you, Lord God. Thank you, Lord God, for your touch right now. Release it now. We release kingdom healing right now in Jesus' name. Thank you, Lord, for touching joy, Lord. Thank you for ministering to him. Hallelujah. I just pray for my sister right now in Jesus' name, Lord. I thank you that healing is our portion. We just take... We just take authority over anything that's hindering right now in Jesus' name. We believe you, Lord, for your touch, for your anointing right now. In the name of Jesus, oh God. Oh, thank you, Lord. Praise God. Lord, we praise you for a fresh and filling of your spirit right now. You need to be filled with the Holy Spirit. Just lift up your hands. Just respond to the Lord. You want a fresh touch from God. I ask God every day for a fresh touch. Lord, I need a fresh touch from you. Yesterday's won't do. I need everything that you have for me today, God. Lord, fill me. Fill me, Lord. Fill me to overflow. Fill me to overflow. You're anointing, Lord God. More of you. More of your presence, God. You are a rewarder of those that diligently seek you, God. Thank you, Lord God, that I can call your name. Thank you, Lord God, that you're with me every hour. Thank you, Lord God, that you're releasing wisdom. You're releasing 
words of understanding, Lord God, words of knowledge, faith, miracles, Lord God. Thank you, Lord, for releasing your life today. In Jesus' name. Jesus' name. Jesus' name. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, God. Thank you, Lord, for your touch this morning. Praise you, God. Praise you, Lord. Praise you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Father, we just praise you, Lord. Lord, we thank you for the privilege of contending for the faith, God. I pray your anointing over us, Lord God. I pray that, that you, would, uh, you would give us eyes to see things that we've never seen. Lord, you begin to minister, Lord God, in, in ways that we've never seen or we've never known, God. Father, that you would cause us to be able to, to uh, see the new thing that you've, you've given to us. And that we begin to walk in that new thing, Lord God. Father, those of us that have been so comfortable with the old, I pray, Lord God, that we would, uh, we would have that moment where we just say goodbye to the past. We would leave it in the past. We would pack it up in the, in, in the luggage, and we would just put that back and get rid of it. Father, I thank you, Lord God, that you have a new thing that you want to do right now in Jesus' name. How many of you sense you're in a transition? Just lift your hand up right now. Transitions. Transitions. Father, we just pray. Each and every person, Lord God, that's in transition right now, Lord, that you, they would hear you so clearly. They would hear you so clearly. You know, the word says that we know in part and we prophesy in part. And uh, I read a quote this week that I really loved, but I think it really applies here. Uh, Something that I was reading said it this way. If you're always wearing a life vest, you'll never really know if you know how to swim. And for some of us, our job is our life vest. For some of us, our, uh, the, the thing that we are been invo- have been involved with, that's our life vest. That, that's the thing that we identify with. That's the thing that keeps us afloat. And, and yet when God moves us into transition, you can't have the life vest and swim at the same time. He wants you to learn to swim. He wants you to learn to launch out with him, right? So don't be afraid of that. Trust in the Lord. You're contending for the faith. You're trusting him. You're watching God bring it to pass. You're watching him bring around you those prophetic words, those those confirmations of the thing that he is doing in your life. He will send you people. They will let you know you're on the right path. He'll 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 uh, he'll bring confirmation around it. This is how he works. Father, I just pray for anybody in transition right now. Lord, there are times to pray and then there are times to step out. And Lord, we need to know the difference. We need to operate in faith in both. But Father, I pray for those that are in the the transition time and and you've signaled it, but you haven't told them to move yet. I pray for their patience. I pray that they would dig in to your word, seek you clearly, and don't get ahead of you, stay right where your timing is, keep in step with the Holy Spirit is their word, or just like the children of Israel, they knew when to move because the cloud moved, and they watched the cloud move and they knew, Father, I pray for that kind of clarity for people in the transition and the prayer mode. 
But Lord, for those who are praying and they know they should have stepped out a week ago, two weeks ago, a month ago, Father, I pray for the faith to take that next step. I pray for the same kind of faith that Peter had when he stepped out of the boat. Perfectly good boat. But you said walk on the water. That was the safest place for Peter to be. Walking on your word. God, I pray for those that have been praying and prayer has become their life vest. God, I pray that they take it off and they begin to step out on the thing that you have for them in the name of Jesus. I just really was impressed in a moment that you're actually, when, when you're supposed to be walking, but instead you're praying, you're actually in disobedience. Prayer seems like the logical, reasonable, righteous thing for a Christian to do, but he's told you to stop praying and get going. Right? I don't know, that's for one or two of you, I don't know, but... You know, sometimes we do that. I remember, you know, isn't that uh, Moses coming out of Exodus? God says, why are you praying? Why are you praying to me? Take that staff and reach out. Time to go, right? Time to go. Father, thank you for your people today. Thank you that we are listening to the Holy Spirit for each of our lives. That nobody, when they walk out of here today, will say, well, Pastor Ken said, quit praying and start doing or he said, I should, have been, uh, I should have been praying instead of doing. Holy Spirit, may they hear your voice, not mine. And may they learn to walk with you. And then I will have done my job. Father, I just pray for each person here that they would be encouraged, that they would see you a little more clearly than they did when they walked in. And Lord, that they would hear you a little more uh, vividly when they walk out. We thank you for that today. We thank you for your blessing on our lives. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Praise God. Hey, God bless your church. See you soon. If you're a guest, please stop by Inside Lighthouse. We want to put a gift in your hand and thank you for being here today. And uh, we look forward to what the Lord's going to do. Tribe Riders, we're going we're gonna to start at 12 o'clock in the conference room. 12 o'clock in the conference room if you're a Tribe Rider.